Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Patchworks, hosted by me, James Gurn, Paul Rogers. We bring you industry thought leaders, the C-suite of tech companies and leading retail brands to showcase e-commerce strategy, customer insurance and technology to help you make better decisions for your business. All we ask in return is you tell other people about the podcast and share or like our post on LinkedIn. And if you're new to the show, give us a rating. It really does help with our visibility. So we hope you enjoy the latest episode. So today is actually me and Paul doing a talking heads. Um, we are doing roughly monthly roundups of what we're seeing in the e-com industry around tech, strategy, tools, you name it. Um, so we're going to we're going to cover January, having done our year, end of year roundup uh, a few weeks ago. So the first bit on these, we'll start with like market context, and we'll look at some technology and some trends. So in terms of market context, and so my view first on how twenty started, there's still nervousness I'm seeing around big investments. So. Definitely seen a pickup in in leads and interest around technology selection, uh, but not quite as uh, as uh, pacey as has been in previous years. And there's definitely a bit more, I guess, holding back on when that investment's going to start, when projects are going to start. The Tista, looking at some of the data, Tista reckon that e-commerce revenue is going to grow by nine point eight percent this year. So we are going to see sales revenue growth, but the margins are tighter because of there's lots of discounting and people have been pushing off purchasing until they got big sales. And this is evidence. Last year, December sure that saw the sharpest drop in retail sales since COVID, minus 3.2%. That's from ONS data. Lots of spend was basically front-loaded into Black, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So all these massive massive um, claims that came out about how buoyant and how much growth there was and um, around that are true, but clearly it's had an impact on on post-peak sales. Um, and call, overall, quarterly sales were down 0.9% in three months to December which is interesting. So it's still tough trading, but there are businesses that are bucking the trend. Um, there are some big businesses as well, like Dunelm, for example, sales are up 4.5% in the uh, 26 weeks and in 30 December, and their digital mix has gone up as well, 2 percentage points to 37. So there are there are green shoots and there are there are some silver linings in the clouds, but we're still seeing them for the agencies I've talked to, still seeing Q1 as being still quite a tough, tough time in terms of, uh, e-commerce and especially like big capex projects. Paul, what's um? Do you want to give your perspective on the start to twenty four? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, just to echo what you said, I think um, I've definitely heard of more large capex projects starting. Um, there's kind of a lot of rumours, and it sounds like a lot of people are starting to plan, which I think we both kind of thought would happen, given how slow like the last six months of last year was. Um, and then from a revenue perspective, so I've just pulled out, so we do benchmarking across our clients. Um, and I think there's somewhere between like 30 and 50 brands in the data set, um, of which maybe 60% are fashion. That would be my only caveat. Um, but across our data set, um, the average brand was 13% up for December, which is slightly lower than November. Um, I think that was somewhere in the region of 18%. Um, but that's still a really positive end to the year because uh, kind of the middle of last year was pretty weak, I would say, and it was like under 10%. Um, and the year started pretty strong as well. So, um, yeah, it's fairly good to see November and December uh, looking so positive. Um, traffic, similar trend. Um, and then from a paid perspective, so spend across the same client set was up pretty significantly. Um, so nearly 30% up, um, which is good. And I think a lot of people maybe wouldn't have necessarily uh, expected that. And then, uh, revenue from that spend was up 50% year on year, which is really positive. 
Um, so Meta was the uh, bulk of that spend for us um, and spend was up 57%. So people are still kind of believing in that channel from a new customer acquisition perspective. Um, and then CPMs came down nicely from November, so down 26%. Um, and then we're expecting those to continue to drop in January. Um, and then Google spend was up nearly 20%. Um, and then revenue was up as well, but not quite as high as uh, Meta. Um, and I think that's probably a good summary. There's more data here, but I am just kind of reading it. So, um, yeah, I think overall positive uh, December trend. Yeah, it's interesting because retail sales were down, but you're seeing in your your customer cohort, which is a lot of D2C brands, um, that there's buoyancy. And I guess there's there's such a variance in the market between the businesses that I found it tough to maintain year-on-year growth. Um, versus those that are, are, are actively and, and more aggressively investing in their marketing and acquiring new customers. Um, but well, how have you found the margin? Because for a lot of the business I work with, that's the big concern. They're, they are getting more discount purchases and less full price purchases, and therefore the margin mix has changed. So they're having to work harder to acquire and keep people or get people into like second purchase funnels. Yeah, so I think the cost of acquisition has gone up overall over the last like one to two years um which i don't think many people would argue it um but our average client is a premium fashion brand to be honest so very few of them do any form of discounting like a few of them went into sale through black friday um or like cyber week but um yeah i would say like our average client probably isn't too discount led the only thing that i would say which is the biggest trend that we saw and we did we had to do a lot of analysis around was the multi-brand retailers were super aggressive over the cyber week or black friday cyber monday um like ridiculously aggressive and even though everyone's always, a lot of them are under question from like a kind of profit warning perspective you know they were still 70 80 percent off which is yeah. crazy and a number of our clients saw a pretty bad so the brands that don't go into sale uh over that period or maybe like very low-end sale numbers um were pretty badly hit through that period because of how aggressive some of those resellers are um and i one and we talked about this last month in our summary podcast but i think it's going to be interesting to see how particularly brands like asos sorry businesses like asos can survive with like the level of discounting they're doing at the moment yeah, and also it's a really interesting dynamic for the the brands that are selling through these like multi-brand retailers as their channel partners because in the UK we don't have like the equivalent of a, a MAP um, in the U- US you can't you can't for fix people to pricing and say you cannot go beyond this price because it's it's illegal to price fix um, and the best way that you can manage it is either through doing what big brands like Nike have done where they they strip back of the channel partners they are allowed to sell their product. But also managing it through the commercial terms and, and actually set up rewards for people who don't discount so heavily. Um, and I've done that with a few businesses because you get to the point where if if key, if key channel partners are just slashing your prices and devaluing your product and brand, you have to find a commercial lever to to stop that happening. Yeah, I think um, that's very topical of a lot of the clients that we work with as well because I think it's an interesting time where. A lot of the D2C brands are now really doubling or like moving into wholesale and, you know, seeing that as a big move. Um, but equally, I think so many like 
the level of caution now like it's like some of the brands we work with it was ridiculous the percentage like market share they have because of the levels of discounting like the resellers do um so yeah i think next year will be interesting on that and also but it's equally going to be interesting because like there's obviously been a lot of or some negativity around nike and that whole d to c shift and how that's impacted their numbers now um so yeah i think it's just going to be interesting this year around the role of wholesale and how people manage that yeah exactly it's 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 is what is your strategy because you can do the like let's have as many partners as possible to get maximum market visibility and try and drive volume growth but then you lose control from a brand in a price point and a product presentation point of view because it's really hard to manage that an, an exponential number of partners or do you limit it and create more strategic partnerships and have greater control and and stronger commercial terms that that reward people for positive behavior it's a it's an interesting dilemma um, two things that we've got two clients that have started doing a bit more so recently that I think have done it really nicely and they're doubling down on a smaller number of partners but doing like quite big activations so one is represent um, yep. and they've just done a big uh, piece with Unus and then they've done a lot of stuff with flannels in the past and um, they've recently done some with Selfridges as well and then the Frankie shop is quite similar and they've just done like a big store in store in Selfridges um, and that's they've kind of done a lot of like joint marketing and i think um obviously not every brand has the luxury of being able to do that and you know the relationship with or like the demand for selfridges to want to do it but i think that's a really nice way to like yep. use wholesale to like target a new customer etc or like you know for activation yeah nice examples right let's move on then let's look around the kind of technology space and what we're seeing so we we look at loads of different data we obviously look at the projects we're working on we talk to vendors, we talk to agencies, um, we listen to what people are saying in terms of, of, of what's trending and what people are interested in and what's coming up in RFPs. And then we also look at data sources like BuiltWid. Um, I imagine most people on this uh, listen to this podcast use it, know of it. If you don't, it's really good for checking like the graph trends in different countries for, for tech. So what we've seen in the second half of 2023 and, and mainly the last quarter of 2023, which is like a proxy for demand going forward, so we're going to look at what's been trended up in terms of number of site installs. We focused on the UK initially. And then um, I'll talk through those and Paul could add a bit of commentary about what, what we're seeing and whether this data is is anecdotally correlating with, with, with what we're hearing and seeing. Patchworks, the world's most modern integration platform. We can connect any key e-commerce system from storefronts to marketplaces and ERPs to fulfillment solutions. This allows retailers and partners alike to simplify their tech stack integration and do away with point-to-point vendor-specific apps. We can automate and streamline the flow of data across your entire e-commerce business. Find out more at wearepatchworks.com. So trending up, commerce layer have been doing very, very well. Um, off a small base, it has to be said, so they're not coming from massive numbers, but that doesn't matter because that's not their model. Um, but they're starting to win a couple of um, really big brands, which can't be disclosed right now, but actually some really impressive. This is off the back of as well, having one Rafa, which is known about. I mean, that's a, a, a phenomenal brand for them to have, and that's a real marquee one. Um, Shopify, don't think it needs much emphasis, smashed last year. We talked about this in our annual roundup. Their market cap has gone through the roof, um, and they are really doubling down on enterprise, and I'll come back to that in a minute although they're not really winning much enterprise at the moment com- compared to their install uh, overall install base. Um, 
big commerce on the B2B side. They had a tough year last year, and sh- um, partly down to Shopify's um, in, in, say, like R&D budget and how fast they push the platform. But they've been doing really well in B2B, and they've won some massive um, businesses, like hundreds of millions um, up to, like, I think, billion dollar was the most recent one doing some really complex B2B installations. Um, on the proprietary side, remarkable commerce um, are trending up. They're having a good um, steady growth. They've won a uh, couple of um, uh, big uh, accounts recently. Centra started to make tracks in the UK. They've announced um, some new projects recently. Um, remind me of the name, uh, the fashion brand, Paul, because I have crap memory. Luke, Luca, what's that? Oh, Luca Filoni. Luca Filoni, thank you. Um, uh, on top of having had a really good, good year last year with Paul Smith, getting them lots of attention and they're also starting to get more interest and uh, and deeper ecosystem around agencies and then scale is another one so scale have got a a big big project that's going to announce soon in the uk that's going to i think open a few eyes um in a certain vertical level yeah, um announced it earlier oh have they already announced? i hadn't seen it so they announced was, yeah manchester united football club um which a lot of people have been wanting to to win that project for a while. So that's a, that's a, a marquee win for them. That comes off of them having Bayern uh, Munich in the in in Germany and having a like really good case study for for running Commerce Football Club. So those are so Paul. That's what I'm seeing in the data. So why don't you now add our our perspective of what we're we're seeing out there and what we're hearing? Yeah, so I think you've covered a lot of these ones. Uh, so Luca Filoni, obviously, nice ones to uh, Centra. Um, they also won Samso Samso, which is one of my personal favorite brands. Um, and they're pretty big. So I think that's a really nice one from Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Um, yeah, Shopify are definitely starting to get into some tender processes for like enterprise businesses. Um, and we'll come on to, so I attended an event in New York last week. Um, and they had some really cool brands up on a slide. So they are definitely starting to win some. But like you say, I don't think they're hitting the volume that they will do yet. Um, but I think we'll see, you know, a lot more of them in that space. Um, yeah. And everything else I think you touched on really commerce layer of, uh, I think probably when those two brands get announced, I think that'll probably shock a couple of people. Um, but they're clearly making some, uh, well, winning some big deals and making some good moves. Um, yeah. And I think that that's probably it on my, from my side. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm a big fan of what Felipe and the team are doing at Commerceware as well because they they build on a platform that's um, designed to make life easier for developers. And if you are an engineering led business, then actually that has a massive benefit um, uh, in in terms of of speed to market, cost, etc. Um, trending down. So again, this is not us making any personal comment. It's just this is the reality of the market um, of the data. So Salesforce, Salesforce. It's still strong in the enterprise space, but it's lost a lot of, I would say, the the um, the, the mid market to the smaller um, SMEs. We've seen a lot of migration away to uh, Shopify's won a lot of business of it. Um, I know Scales won some customers. Um, Commerce Tools as well. Commerce Tools clearly was going to um, lose um, some of that volume because it decided not to launch its its SME product. It focused on enterprise, and I know they they're kind of trying to address that now, but. It, it last year felt like the year where everyone realigned and thought, well, Commerce Tools is, is enterprise um, for for a specific business needs and complexity, but it's not a, a like a mass market um, product. Magento um, is still going down. Lots of people have moved away. Lots of people have more moved into SaaS or 
they've gone to an alternative platform. Often it's just down to having um, a platform that's got lower uh, ongoing maintenance costs because Magento is a great flexible pro- um, platform, but so many projects I worked on, you spend a lot of time maintaining it and keeping the lights on rather than doing proactive um, new development. Um, caveat, depending on which agency you work with and what their solution is, because there are some very smart agencies doing cool stuff on Magento out there, like Tom and Co, who are one of my long-term favourites. Um but there is interest picking up. This is the weird thing, because I'm not seeing it in my customer base, which tends to be real, a real mix. But SMEs from normally from about 5 million up to 20 to 30 million is my core, but some larger businesses as well. But they tend to be a mix, whether it's fashion, beauty, um, some discount brands, etc. cetera. Um, I've not seen Magento in strong discussion for the last 12 months, but I've spoken to a couple of agencies who are multi-platform, and they're saying they're getting more demand and interest back in Magento, uh, Adobe, whatever you want to call it, which is interesting. Other ones that have dropped down in terms of pure volume of of, of um, uh, like new sites have seen Optimizely. I don't have a comment on that because I, I don't know why. I know that Optimizely have won some some big project and they're still very strong, very strong um, in terms of like, I guess, a content experience and an optimization driven platform because of all the capabilities in uh, so that's what I've seen trending down in the numbers on, on places like Bill with Paul, any other comments you want to add to that? No, I think um, I think Optimizely are losing a couple to Shopify, a couple of their bigger ones. I agree with everything you've just said there. Um, yeah, Optimizely, I think, are losing a couple of fairly big ones to Shopify. Um, Magento, I think Hoover's given it a little bit of a new kind of lease of life, but I still don't see a huge amount of newness there or or like demand from net new customers. But there's a lot of movement around the agencies uh, for kind of ongoing support and retainers. Um, yeah, if it will come on to commerce tools in a second. Um, but yeah, agree with everything you said. Well, why don't we go to commerce tools now? Because we said that was one of the ones in terms of like number of new projects, et cetera. It yeah. Is, is it. So what, what what's the comment on commerce tools? Well, the, the big thing is Commerce Tools Frontier, which they loosely announced just before NRF and then spoke quite a lot about at NRF and there's quite a lot of discussion around it. Um, and essentially that is like a more opinionated approach, like kind of um, Commerce Tools of a prepackaged front end and a number of other solutions um, for smaller businesses or people that maybe want to get going faster. And I think that's their kind of this time last year, they were supposed to launch um an smb version uh, and basically go to market um with that alongside the main composable route or kind of you know standalone composable route um but they never launched it and then i see frontier as like a bit of a solution for smb and i think the difficulty that commerce tools have had because um i think you know commerce tools is really good technology um but their market hasn't had much movement because of what's you know been happening around the economy so therefore, they've come down market. And I think some of the issues that maybe impacted their reputation a bit is where they're trying to sell the product to businesses that just aren't a fit. Um, so I think this is the answer. This is kind of their answer to that. But I think it'll be interesting to see how they build an ecosystem around it because the other thing I, that I've seen with commerce tools projects is that kind of the vast majority of the partners are very kind of enterprise SIs. And I think if they do want to like address um, some of the smaller businesses or, or a smaller business, I think they need to you know bring on new partners. 
um, yeah, and continue to build the ecosystem around it. But it'll be interesting because I do think it's, you know, they've got good technology. Um, it's more kind of how they've built it that means that it's not really suitable for kind of SMB and lower mid-market. Yeah, interesting. Would you agree with uh, that? It's also interesting. Sorry? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I... I'm not going to profess to to have a, de- a real depth of knowledge around the Commerce Tools tech stack because I've not looked at it for a while. But um, I have I have had a, a couple of projects where I've sat down and had conversations with some solution architects, and and basically it's it's not designed for trading led businesses. It's designed for engineering led businesses in terms of like implementation complexity. You so you either have to get that yeah. that expertise in your agency. And have that on a longer basis, or you need to have, um, a, yeah, a a team in house to make that work. And most businesses I work with, that's not what they want. They want a, a simpler solution. They don't need the flexibility that a fully composable um, stack where you can you know, create your own packaged business capabilities. Most businesses I work with, they just don't need it. Um, they're not that unique. Um, yeah. But I can see this. I can see the selling point when you have when you have like really unique. Um, customer experiences, user journeys, processes, having the flexibility to cut business logic how you need it makes perfect sense. Um, the other thing that I, the last comment on platforms that I'm going to go for is big commerce, which I think is quite interesting because clearly, and we'll come to the numbers in a minute, Shopify smashed last year from the SaaS vendor point of view in terms of total project wins, um, market cap, etc. Um, but big commerce has started to do some really smart things now um, in terms of making the product more attractive to uh, the the core e-com audience. So they've put um, PayPal commerce fast checkouts coming in to enable like speedy check using PayPal as the, the payment provider, which will help um, small to medium businesses. Buy now pick up to improve the omni channels now built natively. Um, it's going to be, sorry, not now. It's due for release this year, natively into the stencil theme. So that means that you can well, without having to customize it, you can natively build journeys around that on PDPs and checkout, which is a big ad. Um, that's on the roadmap. There's not, I don't know when it's coming though. But the big one that I saw is they they basically uh, announced their new, like, like let's call it a front end accelerator, headless front end accelerator, which is looks like it's going to be positioning similarish to Shopify's. Well, Shopify's trying to offer people that um, ability through hydrogen, where you don't have to build your own complete custom front end. You've got the toolkit in order to accelerate your time to market, and, and Big Commerce has gone down that route with the recent acquisition. So, I think Big Commerce is, is going to make some some sensible moves this year, but it'd be interesting to see the timeframes um, for that. Um, but then, yeah, coming back to the distribution, the thing that I found interesting. So, this was um, this was data that was shared um, from Similar Web in their Digital Hundred. Um, is is just how dominant Shopify is across so many different areas now. Um, which is we've had this conversation about is that a good or a bad thing? Um, but uh, even in looking at the digital hundred, the top hundred um, fast growth retailers of similar webs tracked is in a, a, a apparel and accessories. Um, Ten out of the top twenty Shopify beauty and personal care nine out of twenty home and garden eight out of twenty and all verticals forty five percent twenty seven out of sixty. The one where it's still lagging behind um, is enter- when we look at um, like um, go to market is enterprise so. In the emerging, it's got 57%, mid-market 40%, and large 44%. But enterprise defined as 125 million plus, only 11%, which is going up. So that's a bit where we think that that 
I'm, it's not going to. It's going to take time because you've got lots of dependencies, right? You've got people on things like Salesforce who are up for contract renewals maybe next year, the year after. Where actually there might, for some of them, there'll be a logical fit with a Shopify enterprise proposition, but that's a way off because obviously the the uh, license expiry date. So I think that eleven percent will go up, but I, I'm not expecting it to go up sharply in the next twelve months. I don't know whether you feel like it is going to go up quicker than that or not. Well, I think that takes me nicely back to the uh, point around Shopify, kind of where they're going. So last week I went to the advisory council meeting in New York with a few other people, um, and they made us all sign NDAs. So I have to be really careful with what I can uh, say. A lot of it will fall into the um, uh, additions, uh, feature releases, which is happening in a week or two. Um, but I think the VAR, like it was very enterprise focused. And I think from what they did say, so one, there was a lot of discussion around the proposition and they brought in professional services, which I think was always a stumbling block for the really large businesses that Shopify didn't really have skin in the game, et cetera. Um, the other thing is they kind of changed some bits around how they're structuring pricing. So bringing down the cost of payments for enterprise. And then increasing the licensing cost slightly, which I think is super smart because one of the biggest, uh, for a few reasons, like one of the biggest friction points for Shopify in any medium to large deal is payments because it's confusing and it's hard to develop a like for like comparison with existing payment providers. Um, and there's like a lot of change for finance teams, which um, again is just friction. Um, so that coupled with Adyen and other payment providers being in the landscape. Um, and then the increase in the pricing, which will also allow them to increase commission for the larger partners as well, which helps with the ongoing uh, revenue piece, which is usually questioned alongside Shopify. Um, but to be honest, there's so much coming from them around enterprise. And I really felt off the back of that meeting that they have almost pivoted and such a high proportion of their kind of go-to-market um, will be uh, enterprise-focused. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think that they're going to... I personally think they will win a lot and quite quickly, but I agree with you that, you know, the lead times are much higher, the sales cycles are more complex, um, you've got all the variables around licensing and everything else, but, yeah, to be honest, like, the level of aggression from the Shopify people talking at that event and how they're chipping through, like, you know, you and I have know have had the exact same frustrations with Shopify and going through processes. It's always the same kind of five to 10 major things, but the speed at which they're chipping through them and actually turning some of those areas into like positive differentiators for the platform um, is crazy. So uh, yeah, I think they will start to chip away at enterprise this year and then i think next year they're going to be a major player you know going to market with like the true kind of enterprise si's and tech partners yeah that's what i think is going to be the game changer is if you're a billion dollar plus business then you need and demand a certain type uh, and scale and approach from an agency partner and a lot of the these Shopify, uh, big commerce, and other you know other platform agencies are fantastic at what they do, but they don't have the gravitas, and that's not because they're not skillful enough. I don't have the expertise, and I rate a lot of them highly. 
but there's a certain type of agency and mindset that big, some big businesses demand. And that's that's where they we the likes of the McKinsey's Deloitte's that's Accenture's going to change it shop. Yeah. Um, one thing I forgot to say actually is I should say a big shout out and thank you to Jordan Phillip from Underwater Pistol because it was his post with some of the analysis he did that prompted me um, to it, to reference some of this uh, on top of the the information that we already had. So thanks, Jordan. That's a really useful bit. Post. Well worth following on LinkedIn as well. Um, last one. Let's do an AI roundup. There's loads more we can talk about, but we don't want to send people to sleep. Um, so yeah. AI roundup, I'm going to pick out a few things and then you tell me what you've been seeing. So uh, I was interested to see an, an, another device, an AI device, because we haven't got enough devices in our lives, um, Rabbit AI Personal Assistant, um, which sold out in 10 days, 50,000 devices on its first run, which is pretty mental. So this is this is designed to save people time and make life easier so you can automate tasks for you like booking flights. Um, but the big question has got to be like, how many people outside of the faddest really want another device? And and isn't this stuff at some point going to be coming into like Apple or, or Google or buy something like this, or they'll they'll build this into their own devices? Um, and then the next thing, which I found interesting in terms of stats, is there are now twenty five billion social media posts every day across all platforms. Twenty five billion is pretty mental. So how do you stand out? And it's interesting to see that, and this is not an area of my expertise at all, but I, I obviously follow it because it's interesting and relevant to e-commerce. So there are big brands out there and bigger businesses that have got the pockets to obviously invest and trial and test it, like Sketches, and now bedding AI into content analysis patterns. There's a tool that I've, I've found out that um, Sketches, if you others use, called radintel.ai. So this is helping them to to better analyze, but also to better plan and execute content to make the, the content more meaningful because 25 billion social media posts tell you what you need to know. The amount of noise out there is insane. Um, so that's my couple of points on AI. What anything anything new or interesting you've seen this month? Yeah, I think the only um, I think that last example is really good. I think that's for me the most useful or like the best, the most useful thing I've done with AI. Basically, is like summarizing large data sets. Um, the only other one I was going to say is I think they're starting. I'm starting to see more people test um, the AI chatbots. So there's one called Sienna, which a lot of people seem to be looking at or playing around with. And there's another one that um, that's more kind of behind the scenes and integrates with the live chat solutions. I've forgotten what it's called. Um, but yeah, I still think that I still think that's going to be a big shift, where basically a much smaller percentage of interactions with a chat style widget will be human powered um so yeah that's the bit that i'm most excited about at the moment yeah agreed i'm having conversations with with a client at the moment about what other you know the way that other businesses are doing this smartly is is trying to avoid customer service teams having to keep uh, taking loads of their time out to answer repetitive questions that can be easily done through an automated ai assistant you know order information order status tracking information you name it faqs um cool so that that brings us to the end of january 2024 so quite a lot packed into our first month of the year update we hope you find it useful do give us a shout out like what else would you like to see in these monthly roundups um we can't commit to everything but if there's a useful take on econ strategy customer experience tech etc that we could weave in we'll happily do so uh and thanks for listening. Keep your ear open for your next episode. We drop one every week. And don't forget to give us that rating um, wherever you're watching or listening if this is your 
first time on the podcast. Take care, everyone. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.